in a world where most people watch movies and then forget about them. Three brave heroes join forces to watch them again and then talk about them. Join them in their epic journey as they go back in time, a decade and beyond, to revisit and break down films from a vast array of genres. Do these movies hold up over time? Are they classics? Find out on Retro Movie Roundtable. Starring your hosts, Brian Fry, Chad Robinson, and Russell Guest. Coming now to Headphones in Your Ears. Welcome all you lords, ladies, and knights to the Retro Movie Roundtable. Welcome to the show where we watch movies and then talk about them. I'm your host, Russell Guest, and joining me today are my good friends and co-hosts, Brian Fry and Chad Robinson. Brian, how you doing, sir? Good evening. I'm doing well. And Chad, how you doing? Hello, listeners. Doing well. Looks like it is the end of the year and or beginning of the year, depending on when you're listening to this. And uh, it's time for a recap. Are you guys ready for that? I am ready. Whee! Yeah, and if you're listening to this 20 years down the road, because it's evergreen content, this was the year of uh, the toilet paper uh, shortage. Uh, also, there was a outbreak of COVID-19. Your number one grossing movie this year in 2020 was Bad Boys for Life, but... Uh, it means less this year than normal. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> hey, that was a good movie. So we lost Sean Connery, David Prost, Chadwick Boseman, Joel Schumacher, James Lipton, Alex Trebek, Jerry Stiller, Kurt Douglas. And uh, so, uh, you know, there were some down parts this year, but there were some great parts this year. And one of the greatest parts of this year was the Retro Movie Roundtable. And uh, we covered some pretty fun movies this year. We didn't have as much as we did in the previous years because we went down to every other week releases. And that's an exciting thing I want to tell you guys about. We're looking next year to roll in some new hosts. So you're going to hear two new voices on the show in a rotation. So a little bit less of me and a lot more releases, hopefully. So we're going to see how this goes. So I'm excited to announce that. Uh, uh, I know Brian and Chad are ready to listen to somebody else talk other than me. Uh, it's not so bad oh stop so uh we compiled all of the movies that we did and we averaged them out and ranked them out so this is a composite ranking of the 25 movies that we covered this year and we're going to count those up so to kick this off at number 25 we have the movie legend at 24 we have the movie forbidden planet at 23, we have the movie Jackie Brown. At 22, we have the movie Sleepless in Seattle. And at 21, we have the movie Runaway Jury. So, kicking this countdown off, what do you guys think here so far? What are your early takes on these movies? Brian, why don't you go first? I think it's appropriate. Legend was by far and away the my least favorite movie we did this year. Um, Preach. <laughs> I, I i just like i i, I I'm, I'm not even sure if i'm still over it yet so uh <laughs> th- that that movie hurt me it's like uh it's like someone thought to themselves i'm gonna make a movie like never ending story and then make it suck <laughs> so uh yeah uh, anyway. this 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 time is so freeing we try not to go to negative town but yeah i I'm right at this pulpit with Fry. I, I'm very happy I wasn't on the Legend episode because I would have had a difficult time. This was, it's at the bottom, and that makes me happy. Uh, I actually wasn't on 
most of the bottom episodes except for Sleepless in Seattle. So you can thank me for tanking those ratings. Interesting. So you, both of you had this. Both of you had this ranked your last, which is always going to pull it down. I had it at 19, but uh, uh, I do want to ask: Did you guys watch the director's cut or the standard cut? Oh, I hope it wasn't the director's cut. No, the director's cut makes more sense. The storyline suffers when you go to the theatrical release. The U.S. theatrical release makes a lot less sense. I honestly don't know which one I watched, and I'm unwilling to give it another shot. <laughs> okay, well, we'll see if Ridley Scott, re- we'll see if Ridley Scott can uh, redeem himself later. Other than Legend, any other thoughts from you guys on Forbidden Planet, Jackie Brown, Sleepless in Seattle, or The Runaway Jury? You know what, Jackie Brown, I'm going to step in here as our resident Tarantino hater. I actually wound up having this the highest rated out of all three of us. So, uh, Brian, what's up? Uh, Actually, the only movie that I'm really going to talk crap about tonight is Legend. So now that we're past that, I don't have a problem with any of the other movies we did this year. I Yeah, uh, Sleepless in Seattle's just not my kind of movie. Uh, It's... Back before Tom Hanks found World War II, once Tom (laughs) Hanks found World War II, everything was better. You know, no disrespect to, you know, some of the other stuff he's done, but uh, I I don't know. It's just Sleepless in Seattle is just not my kind of movie. Everything else that we've mentioned, including Jackie Brown, are are good movies. They're just uh, suffering from the fact that there are movies I like more. So Chad and Brian are lockstep for the first two at the bottom there. They both ranked Sleepless in Seattle next to last, but I I picked it up at 13, so I'm going to defend it and say, this is a really fun movie, and I really enjoyed it, and I would totally watch it again. And um, I I think this is one of our bigger uh, diastemas between uh, what you guys picked and what I picked. So this was one of the bigger disparities here in the first segment. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I. That episode, I did it with my wife, and I wound up being the old curmudgeon, but I like some romantic comedies. This is just not one of them. We were pretty lockstep. It's because they left out the comedy part. (laughs) uh, Maybe it's Meg Ryan. I don't know. Something about her face. Who knows? But uh, we were pretty lockstep with Forbidden Planet. I was at 23, so I disliked it a little less than you guys, but... uh, YouTube had 22. Yeah. It would have benefited greatly from a mystery science theater overtrack. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like that exists. If not, we have to do it. Truth. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So as we proceed to the 20 to 15 range, so we're going to kick off 20 with the circus, uh, which is our oldest movie we've covered here on the podcast from 1928. It's a Chaplin movie. Uh, we there are then going to go up to 19 with True Romance, a Tony Scott film. At 18, we have The Highlander from 1986. At 17, we have Wreck from 2007. At 16, we have Winter's Bone from 2010. So what are your thoughts here? I'm going to kick this one to you, Fry, first. Hey, it kind of makes me a sad panda that Winter's Bone and True Romance fell that uh, deep. Uh, those are both movies that I like a lot. I will admit that I don't watch True Romance that often, so its rewatchability is somewhat lessened. And it's funny to me because Winter's Bone is not traditionally, it's it's the type of movie that I would not rewatch, but I don't know if it's that it's Appalachia and I just enjoyed it. Maybe it's like Jennifer Lawrence's, you know, kind of standout performance in it. But for whatever reason, that movie has rewatchability for me. 
Oh, man. I thought it was good, but it's one of those movies that I just don't particularly want to see again for a considerable amount of time. And I totally I totally get that. I And just for some reason, that one gets me right. It's like for, you know, the people out there that liked Requiem for a Dream, like I that I can't watch that again. Like right. that would bum me out too much. I get why this falls into that category for some people. It just somehow didn't do it for me. Chad, what about you? What are, what... Yeah, I feel like I'm partly responsible for Wreck even being as high as it is. Maybe it was the timing. I, I This was one of my favorite horror movies, so I ranked it as high as number nine. But uh, I I know Russell still said he, he enjoyed it. I hope it, it was well enjoyed. We did do a lot of good movies, so it was tough to get in the ranks. I need it to marinate. <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's a tough one. And Highlander is just a good time. I need some time with it, let it saute and and then I'll come back to it and say okay. I'm going to go a little farther than you guys did. There were no bad movies for me on this one and that goes back to Legend and Forbidden Planet. I enjoyed everything we Ooh. did this year. So, uh to me 16 out of 25s, you know, it's it's on the lower half, but I mean, it's just a strong year. We did a lot of fun movies this year, so. Right. Yeah. And for me, I want to say uh, one of the ones that I, I changed my mind on the most while studying it was True Romance. So Chad had that one the lowest. Uh, Brian had this at 10. I thought I was going to have this one higher, but uh, it just was interesting to me that, uh, you know, like, again, I, I felt it felt better than 18, but just such good movies. The one particular scene was definitely felt better than 18. What was it? The Sicilian scene? Uh, yeah, that's a popular scene for sure. So, all right, ready to head into the 15 to 11 range. Absolutely. We're going to go to Predator at number 15 from 1987. At 14, we have Kiss Kiss Bang Bang from 2005. Asphalt Jungle from 1950 at number 13. At number 12, we have Roman Holiday from 1953. And at number 11, we have Happy Gilmore from 1996. Chad, why don't you go first this time? What are your first takes on this 15 to 10 range? I feel a little bit bad about Asphalt Jungle. That's It's just a genre that doesn't typically work for me. Uh, I had a, the low point of 18. You guys had it much higher. I still enjoyed it, um, but I had a lot better time with stuff. Brian introduced us to Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I thought that was a lot of fun. And Roman Holiday really surprised me. Just out of nowhere, get another romantic comedy, but I really enjoyed it. It was one of the best movies of the year for me. Yeah, you liked it considerably more than Sleepless in Seattle. (laughs) A little bit. I feel like you guys are completely assassinating my top ten right now, but I have a feeling that my my leftovers are going to be stalwartly still there later. Asphalt Jungle is excellent. Uh, I'm such a huge fan of crime noir. It's something I read a lot, so it's uh, it's definitely something that I enjoyed watching for the first time on this podcast, and and that was that was really something for me. And you had that at seven. Yeah, I did. I had it really high. Um, as far as Kiss Kiss Bang Bang goes, uh, dark comedies are also kind of a thing for me. And, uh, that movie, I, I was excited to introduce you guys to it just because I know how much I enjoyed it. And I thought it had a lot to offer. I hope the audience, if anybody decided to pick that movie up after we did it, uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it too. Yeah. You had it at number two and I'm sorry. I had it at number 25. 
I, it's a, uh, it's one of those things that I don't expect everybody to like it as much as I do, especially being newly introduced to it. Again, sometimes you just got to like let things sit for a while. Um, I am pretty confident though, that if you give it another watch and another time, I, it really grows on you. And I think that, uh, if I were to ask that same question two years from now, you may have a higher ranking for it. Now you had the lowest ranking by far on Roman holiday. What didn't work for you on that one? Again, I'm not a romantic comedy kind of guy. Uh, there have been exceptions to that, but by and large, it's like a 90-10 rule where 90% of romantic comedies are misses for me, with 10% being the exceptional ones. You know, you basically have to get me on something like Love Actually, or you know, there are a couple others that I that I smirk at, but yeah, this it's just not my genre. Okay, yeah. And uh, these, I had two that would have been in my top 10 that came in this segment. So Happy Gilmore, I had at number six. Uh, you guys were lower at 11 and 18. But uh, I also had Predator at 10. And you guys were more in the 17, 16 range. So uh, some of my some of my high flyers are, are, are middling out here with you guys. Why do I like these movies more than you? I like Predator just fine. It was just one of those things where, hey, I like the other movies better. I like Predator a lot, though. I will go to bat to that for that top ten. Maybe not, but so the first Predator movie is hands down the best Predator movie. Uh, I've been worried that Predator as a franchise, being what they've done with it, is uh, decreasing the quality of Alien movies by inserting it in poorly. I would love to see. Predator rebooted in some form and reinserted into the the alien universe correctly. They're looking at uh, having Arnold come back again. I don't know if that's making you more encouraged. No, uh, look, that's fine. Like whatever they want to do to do a throwback, but really uh, the Adrian Brody or Brody predators was okay, but, and predator two with Danny Glover is watchable. But everything else, including the Alien versus Predator movies, is just hot garbage. Oh, I will go to bat for Alien versus Predator, the first one. The the second one was absolutely terrible. And the Olivia Munn and Keegan-Michael Key, uh, Predator, that oh, was... okay. That was yeah, horrible. Uh, well, no, no, that one was absolutely garbage. But back to movies we did this year. Uh, are you guys ready to kick it into the top ten now? Let's do it. So number 10 to 5, we're going to go One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest from 1975, comes in at 10. Number 9 is The Dark Knight from 2008. Number 8 is Gattaca from 1997. Number 7 is Office Space from 1999. Number 6 is Scott Pilgrim vs. The World from 2010. So, Brian, why don't you talk about this segment of movies here for us from 10 to 5 here? Um, I mean, there's some gems in there. Uh, Gattaca was one of those ones that I was happy to come back to. I hadn't watched that in a while, so it was kind of uh, exciting, and I'd forgotten just how much I really enjoy that movie. Once you get into my top five, or really the top ten as we're discussing them now, it's there's very little space in between these movies. Like You can't really say, oh, uh, this is clearly better than that, but... There's just what I'm in the mood for at a given time versus not. Yeah. 
Yeah. Now, Chet, you have some low points on this one. Uh, you're not as big on Gattaca or Office Space, I'm seeing. You have those at uh, Gattaca at 15 and Office Space at 16. Gattaca, I actually introduced to a friend. He's a huge sci-fi nut. And as soon as he watched it, he was texting me and saying, we need to talk. And so we got on the phone and talked about this. So this was a movie that I hadn't seen. I had passed it along. So, yeah, I like Gattaca. Just everyone comes on our podcast and says, I want to watch a sci-fi movie. I want to watch a sci-fi movie. I'm not a sci-fi guy. I like Star Wars. It's science fantasy, not science fiction. So... Gattaca was a surprise for me to even be rated as high as it is at 15. So I did like it. Uh, Office Space, I don't like as much as I like Happy Gilmore. And maybe because I feel personally attacked by Office Space. A lot of it is just, it's a horror movie to me. It's, it's real life. I live it every day and it makes me a little bit sad. Like I laugh, but I also cry a little bit on the inside. So one of the bigger things that's a bigger difference than even Sleepless in Seattle, the, probably one of the biggest differences we have here is Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Chad, you have this at 2. Brian, you have this at 6. And I have it at 21. Chad, you have this up really, really high. Do you want to go to bat for it? It's one of my favorite movies of all time, man. I don't even like Michael Sarah, so that should tell you how much I enjoy Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. If you don't like Michael Sarah, give this movie a chance. He's not playing Michael Sarah really. It's just, it's funny, it's referential, I love the music, the game references, graphic novel references, just how, it's one of the most fun movies you could possibly watch. I agree with Chad, Uh, there's nothing there that I would disagree with. I went into this movie, this is going to be a just quick story, I went into seeing this movie the first time, I was in a bad mood. I wanted to watch something lighthearted. I had seen commercials for it. I was going to give it a shot. You want to talk about just saving a day for me? I watched this movie and my day was better instantly. And I was thinking during the, you know, while I was watching it, I was like, you know, I could almost see this being a movie that if it caught me on the wrong day, I would hate. But it didn't. I caught it on the right day. And now it's one of my favorite movies too. So... If someone came up to me and told me, hey, I don't understand why you like this movie so much, I'd be like, okay, that's fine. But for me, God, this is this is another very accessible movie. Uh, it deals with a lot of topics that if you're into gaming, you'll like it. If you're into music, you'll like it. There's so many, If you're into a visual presence, you'll like it. If you want cameos by a bunch of random people, you'll like it. I mean, there's just so many aspects of this movie to like that even if some of them are misses for you, the grand scheme and total of this movie was good. See, I feel like Thanos right now. This does bring a smile on my face. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Gattaca is the one that I want to point out. I had this one up at number four, and considering some of the movies that we have in here, to get into the top five of the year's movies that we had this year for me is a big deal. I just love it. It was one of those... Uh, highly thought-provoking movies, and it was just, to me, a very smart film. It's really fun to return to, and it's very well-made and very stylish. So uh, I cannot recommend Gattaca enough. I probably... Did did I have it ranked the lowest? No, you have it at 13. Chad has it at 15. We were close, though. We were in sync. So this was one of those ones where you end up making a list, and you start moving things and realize that, you know... 
if you look at it one day, it's nine. If you look at it another day, it's 15. If you look at it another day, it's seven. You, you're going with whatever you're in the mood for. And when you get into these top tens or top 15s with the quality of movies we did this year, that can change. Like next week, you could ask me, Gattaca might be two. Maybe I'm just on a kick to watch that. I don't know. But that does heavily influence my rankings. Sure. Yeah. And so you guys ready for the top five? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. Number five is The Nightmare Before Christmas from 1993. Number four is Jaws from 1975. Number three is Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark from 1981. Number two is Jurassic Park from 1993. And number one is Ridley Scott's Alien from 1979, the same guy who made Legend. (laughs) So, uh, Chad, why don't you kick us off here? Top five. Obviously, you had Alien at number one. Yeah. It's just perfect. I I love everything about it. And Jaws winds up being a lot... It has a lot of similarities to Alien in The Less Is More. But Alien leans far more into horror. I, I prefer it to Aliens. It just makes me happy. I know Russell's going to throw me under the bus. So I'm going to hurl myself under the bus first. I rated Indiana Jones the lowest. I had it at number 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was on my list to throw you under the bus for that one. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yep. I'm gonna, I'm gonna beat you to it. I will stand in front of it. I, I like Indiana Jones a lot. It makes me very happy every time I watch it. It's just not something. My top ten. I will go back and watch once a year at least. Nightmare Before Christmas. I had it number four. I just watched it again last week. It's one of my daughter's favorite movies now. So, Raiders like. Yeah, I might catch it. I might not. But you know, the the biggies for me, the aliens, Jurassic Park, Jaws, Nightmare, Scott Pilgrim, stuff like that. Every single time. You take Indiana Jones out of that class, and then you put Scott <laughs> Pilgrim in there. That just. Yes. Did I yeah. hurt you a little bit there? No, no. I just I'm representing most of the world. I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm 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 just your gut check there on that one. Sorry. Yeah, I I'm aware I'm on an island here. I don't think I'm gonna get much help from Fry. Well, I mean Brian Brian had Raiders at five. I mean Brian, I'd say your 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 lowest one in the top five, and actually the lowest ranking of any of the ones that made it to the top five was your uh, number eleven rank for Jaws. So, I. Ugh. I, I did feel a little blasphemous putting Jaws that low. I will uh, cop to the fact that part of my brain was trying to give due diligence to different genres and having Alien and Jaws and Jurassic Park all up in my top 10 just felt like I was maybe leaning a little too heavily. So again, it just depends on what mood you catch me in at the time. Uh, Alien is a better movie than Jaws. Uh, I'll make that statement. Yep. But that's why it's my number one. I mean, Alien is a perfect movie. And if I, in 1979, if I were Ridley Scott and I made Alien and I went home and I'm like, man, I crushed that, I would probably ride that high for six years and mail in a piece of trash like Legend. So <laughs> well it's, done. Uh, it's uh, you know, it's just one of those things where, uh, you know, hats off to him. We'll remember him for Alien and, and we'll just forget about that other one. Uh, as far as my top five go, I did Alien, Kiss Kiss, Bang Bang, Winter's Bone, Jurassic Park, and Indiana Jones uh, in that order. And outside of Winter's Bone, I could probably 
sit on a couch and watch the other four movies on repeat for a solid week and not really feel like it was a wasted week. The reason I take Winter's Bone out of that is I think if you watched it that many times, that would not be healthy. And I, I'm just not sure where my psyche would be after that and if I would still like it as much. So just removing that one, the other four are intensely entertaining movies that are worth any number of rewatches you deem necessary. Yeah, yeah. And for me, I think the one that I probably went to bat for the hardest at the top was Gattaca, as I mentioned earlier. So my top five was Jurassic Park, Gattaca, Alien, Jaws, and my number one was Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark. You know, we all had Alien up really high. I had it at three, and you guys both had it at your number ones. So, I mean, that's why it comes away as this year's champion. But I'll say this. If you plugged in Jaws, Dark Knight, Gattaca, Predator, hell, Runaway Jury, if you if you plugged in any of those in for winner's bone on this, you have to sit on a couch and rewatch these five movies on repeat. That's fine. Like that's the quality of our list this year in ter- in my opinion of our movies. I've got stuff as low as, you know, into the twenties that I would watch over and over and over again. That's fine. So in recap, you've got 25 legend from 1985 24, Forbidden Planet from 1956, 23, Jackie Brown from 1997, 22, Sleepless in Seattle from 1993, uh, 21, we have The Runaway Jury from 2003, at number 20, you have The Circus, at number 19, you have True Romance from 1993, at number 18, Highlander from 1986, number 17, Wreck from 2007, 16 is Winter's Bone from 2010, 15 is Predator from 1987. 14's Kiss Kiss Bang Bang from 2005. 13's Asphalt Jungle from 1950. 12 is Roman Holiday from 1953. Happy Gilmore is number 11. And our top 10 is 10. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest in 1975. Number 9 is Dark Knight from 2008. Number 8 is Gattaca from 1997. Number 7 is Office Space from 1999. Scott Pilgrim vs. The World is at 2010. And, sorry, and uh, number 5 is Nightmare Before Christmas from 1993. Number four is Jaws from 1975. Number three is Indiana Jones Raiders of the Lost Ark from 1981. Number two is Jurassic Park from 1993. And our number one movie is Alien from 1979. We did it. We did it. Yes. Now, are you guys ready to hand out some awards? It's my favorite time. Absolutely. All right. Of the movies we covered under Retro Movie Roundtable, who we just ranked, what is... Or who is your best director, Brian? Uh, I'm going with Ridley Scott. Because of his work in Legend, I take it. Got to got to back up Alien. Got to back up Alien. We're not talking about Legend. Okay. Okay. Chad, what about you? I have to go Ridley Scott as well, and this just speaks for how good Alien is to make up for my feelings on Legend. Alien is perfect. And uh, there's a little bit of sentimentality because my favorite movie of all time is Gladiator. So, yeah, Ridley Scott. Well, I'm going to go with uh, it's a collective works here. So Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Last Ark, Jurassic Park and Jaws were all done by Steven Spielberg. All three of those movies were in my top five here at the rankings and they're all very high in my all time overall movies list. So I have to go with Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Yeah, I had a hard time picking Ridley Scott over Steven Spielberg. That is the only other right choice, I think. 
it's a testament to how darn good Alien is that it, it that it takes precedence over those. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Although I did have two of those three movies ranked ahead of Alien for me. Mm. <laughs> it's it's okay to be wrong. It's all right. I think I think uh, I don't know the rankings. The ratings probably are on my side on this one. But um, <laughs> so uh, best ensemble cast, Brian. I'm gonna go with True Romance on this one. Oh, that's a good pick. I really like the cast makeup of that one. Uh, it's got a lot of people in it, and they all do a fantastic job. Yeah, I, that's a great pick. I I, uh, I considered that one myself. What about you, Chad? Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Man, it is grown. What do you mean grown? Best ensemble cast. My <laughs> goodness. I mean, you have everyone from even the cameos: Chris Evans, uh, Brie Larson, Aubrey Plaza, uh, Anna Kendrick. Then you've got Kiernan Culkin, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Michael Sarah. I mean, this cast is just loaded. Oh, Jason Schwartzman. I didn't even mention him. And then you've got Brandon Ralph, Superman. This is a great cast, and everyone does their part so well. Okay. And I'm going to go with One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest from 1975 there. So um, just an amazing group of people playing such interesting personalities. Obviously, you have loaded uh, top there between Jack Nicholson and um, Lewis Fletcher. Yes. So uh, Lewis Fletcher and uh, Jack Nicholson are amazing at the top, but also it goes down into such a great cast. You have Christopher Lloyd, Danny DeVito, Brad Dourif. I mean, it's just a wonderful group of guys. The cast and the acting really make this one. So it won Best Director that year. Um, I don't actually, no knock on Milos Foreman. I think I think the magic's in the acting on that one. I did love, even down to the extras, the general who's saluting in the background, but Chief was really great as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, I didn't mean to neglect him as well. Best actor. This is a tough one. Best actor. Brian. This is where I went when flu. I uh, went with Jack Nicholson. Yep. Yep, Brian and I are strangely in sync tonight. I couldn't not give it to Jack Nicholson. He just did a marvelous job. I'm going the true romance way here in this one. I'm going to go with Christian Slater on this one. Oh, really? Uh, he was, yeah. Hey, look, hats off to you. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I had I had Jack Nicholson written down on my paper, but I'm not going to just, you know, sweep it on this one. So I'm, I'm going to, I was close enough for me that I'm just going to be different on this one. That's fair. I'm going to duck. I'm going to duck. I, I do not think I've ever seen a Christian Slater movie where I've thought he's a good actor. He was just such a good fit for this role. I mean, he and Patricia Arquette play these eccentric people who behave so irrationally but they're so compelling at the same time so um yeah uh, there, there's a lot of sweetness in that movie and i i, I like him he, uh, from the moment you meet him uh, uh he's a he's a weird bird and uh i like him so <laughs> best actress brian uh i went with sigourney weaver uh alien on this one uh i had like the hair on the back of my neck stand up a little bit when I said that because I really wanted to give it to Jennifer Lawrence in Winter's Bone. That's actually where I expected you to go. Uh, well, it, it literally, it's it's 1A and 1B. But uh, Sigourney Weaver's portrayal of her character in Alien, it, it's just, I mean, that's it's an iconic role. And as good as Winter Bo- Winter's Bone was, especially for a first time out for an actress, 
Uh, guy who just, I mean, Scorny Weaver, man. Sure. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, Brian, are you or Shad, are you following suit on this one? No, but you do have to give it out for Ripley. If you don't get that right, I don't know that Alien works. But I went with the romantic comedy, Audrey Hepburn. Man, Princess Anne, I thought she just did such a great job of being this uncomfortable royal. You, even the subtle movements she was doing, the shifts in certain scenes, and just her playfulness in the drunken scenes and everything. I, I was enchanted by her. And she's pretty. I'm with Chet. Yeah, I, I'm with Chad on this one. Uh, I think she's going to get my pick here as well. She's she's an icon for a reason, and uh, she captivated me from the beginning on this one, and her transformation uh, and the range that she covers in this one is very impressive. And yes, Sigourney Weaver was iconic, and I want to give a nod to Patricia Arquette from True Romance as well. She was a strange bird too, and I liked her. But the back half of the movie, she her character's de-emphasized, and uh, the movie doesn't serve as a vehicle that can get her in the ranks here of an Audrey Hepburn, so... I'm going to go Hepburn. Okay. Uh, best Supporting Actor, Brian. Uh, I went with Richard Dreyfus and Jaws. Uh, there have been very few supporting actor pieces that I've enjoyed more than his part in Jaws. It's actually probably one of the reasons I like the Jack Hodgins character in Bones so much is it reminds me so much of Richard Dreyfus and Jaws. And... Uh, I don't know. I just I find his character so entertaining that I start looking for parallels in other things I watch. Nice. Well, what about you, Chad? Best supporting actor. I had to go with Robert Shaw and Quint for Jaws. Yeah, just he made the movie. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm gonna go with the lady on the beach from Jaws. No, I'm kidding. No, Jaws isn't. You've already taken all the Jaws characters. <laughs> Um, sorry. I'm going to go with Brad Dourif from, uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Chucky. Yes, he is. He is Chucky. Yes, he is Chucky. But this, this, I think, is actually his best acting job of his entire career. He's young in this one, but, uh, man, his character makes you feel. So, uh, I gave the ensemble cast to One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, but, I, again, he weighs heavy on that. So, he, he really impressed me. So. I feel like Seed of Chucky is by far his best acting job. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Well, Just stops you dead in your tracks. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually, I don't like the movie Jackie Brown as much as a lot of the other movies we watched this year, but Robert Forster from Jackie Brown had a presence too. Just a little nod to him. Oh, yeah. Best Supporting Actress, Brian. I went with Anne Francis, Forbidden Planet, on this one. Uh, this was a, an off the cuff response uh i rewatched forbidden planet again after the fact and got some subtleties to her that uh i didn't catch the first couple times i watched it and for for all of the issues that i had with that movie i had a little bit more fun watching it later after the fact uh for entertainment and it's almost like having your favorite bond girl like from the connery era like just like saying hey i i kind of see a couple things that i missed the first time there's a little bit more depth at play here uh well done yep and chad what do you think for best supporting actress i went with Catherine o'hara who voiced sally in the nightmare before christmas 
So I really thought her voice work was phenomenal. And Sally's such an important character. She also voiced Shock from Lock, Shock, and Barrel. Uh, so one of the mischievous children. She gets a little bonus credit for that because they actually had quite a few lines. But yeah, I I enjoyed Sally quite a bit. Every time you say uh, her name, I always go, Kevin! <laughs> that is true. Uh, my best supporting actress, I'm going to go with Gene Hagen from The Asphalt Jungle. Mm, good choice. I thought about that one too. Yeah, she did such a great job in that movie. And um, actually, her... I, I don't remember if I made her my MVP or not, but she 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 was she was definitely uh, a strong presence in that one, and um, I'll, I'll uh, when I think of Asphalt Jungle, I, I certainly think of her on this one. So even more so than maybe the main actor in that one, which so that's when your supporting starts upstage your main one. That's that's uh to me that that's a high benchmark. So here's a fun one: sexiest female, Bryant. Mary Elizabeth Weinstead. Re- I know there's no way I could really? ever get her to. Le- yeah, I know there's no way I could ever get her to leave Ewan McGregor because he's a handsome man. But man, like it started with a thing uh, when she uh, did the prequel, and Scott Pilgrim obviously checked off a lot of boxes for me. So <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I'm going with her. Okay, Chad, what about you? I'm going with the same movie, but I am stunned. I'm actually a little disappointed with Brian. Anna Kendrick, who plays Stacy Pilgrim. I thought for sure you were going to pick her. I had a backup. Yeah, I was going to say, if you're going from that movie, that's who I expected you to go with from that movie. That, that That's actually why my reaction was really. So. She, she is my, she's one of my favorite personalities of all time. I'm, I'm a huge fan of her, and this is no disrespect to her at all. She is a beautiful woman. But she's just, she's not my type, if that makes sense. No, it doesn't. Uh, I, I think Chad and Russell haven't have, have seen uh, most of the people I dated before my wife and then seeing my wife can understand the, the Mary Elizabeth Weinstead a little bit more than the Anna Kendrick. Yes, you, you dream of Ramona Flowers. It's fine. Okay. Hey, it, it's, it's a thing. So this, this was tough. This is, this is always a tough one. But I'm going to go with Karen Allen from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, oh, absolutely. Stunning. Is it? No, no, not at all. You do that every single time. <laughs> oh, really? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, Animal House? I was like, yep, totally get it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I like, I love her character, Marion Ravenwood. She's got this amazing fire and spunkiness to her that uh, it's a great character uh, of all the characters that she's, she's definitely the one that I would want to be around. And a nod to Marilyn Monroe from Asphalt Jungle. Like, her character is kind of despicable. Like, she's she's totally, like, just using this older man. And, like, you know, yeah, he's her sugar daddy in this one. But uh, it's a young uh, Marilyn Monroe. And the room stops when she walks in and, and Asphalt Jungle. So Marilyn Monroe, also a uh, runner-up for me. I mean, look, guys, th- this is film. There are a lot of pretty ladies. But if I'm going to give a number two, it's hands down Audrey Hepburn. Huh. Also true. Yeah, that's a great choice. I went Bridget Fonda with Jackie Brown. Okay. Not my good. type. See? Huh. Not my type. I'm sure this conversation will be just as deep as usual. Uh, you know, normally I try and have my wife, Mary, join us for this uh, segment here. So this is built in for you, but we're still doing it anyway. Sexiest male, Brian. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Harrison Ford on this one from Indiana Jones. 
He's a handsome man. He's a handsome man. Yep, he's got a hat. Plus, you have the 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 one less button undone on the shirt. I mean, <laughs> get you every time. There you go, ladies. I think he would make a good pairing with, with my sexiest female pick, so that would be good. So Karen Allen and Harrison Ford, perfect. Uh, Chad. Yeah, I had a tough time with this one. I, I actually had a hard time not picking Arnold. I feel a little bad about that. I think I'm going Robert Downey Jr. in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, but Gregory Peck is probably right up there. And that was my pick. I went with Gregory Peck, so yeah. Yep. Russell's a classics. Yep, yep. Biggest thrill. So this is the moment in the movie, not the entire movie. Brian, biggest thrill. Uh, Jurassic Park. I saw it when it came out. I, I'm trying to remember how old I was at the time, but I had to have been around 10 or so. And I saw it uh, in rural West Virginia. So I, I went home and just heard raptor noises outside the house all night. Uh, wow, what a... What a movie, man. Like Jurassic Park, like if So more specifically, what moment what what moment in Jurassic Park is getting your biggest thrill moment though? Probably the goat disappearing into T Rex first sighting. <laughs> like when that leg when that leg falls on the uh, moon roof and oh gosh. Great choice, great choice. And Chad, what's your biggest thrill? He knocked me for rating it low, but the boulder scene from Raiders of the Lost Ark. All right. Yeah, that's a great choice. And I'm I'm with Brian on this one. I, I'm going to have to go with the T-Rex crushing the Jeep with the kids in it and Jurassic Park. So, If only he had crushed the Jeep with the kids in it. Um, my, uh, I'll so agree with biggest, that. Biggest laugh, Brian. Expletive to follow, but it is a direct quote. I have never laughed so hard in a movie than when I heard Jesse Ventura talking about chew tobacco when he offers it and said, this stuff will make you a goddamn sexual tyrannosaurus <laughs> in the movie predator. I lost my stuff. No, that's a great choice. That's a great choice. Uh, we went around saying that, you know, probably for the week of the show, for sure, a ton. That's, I'm glad you picked that. That's a fun one to go back to. Chad, what about you? What's your best laugh? Biggest laugh? Pretty much all of the movie The Circus. But if I had to pick one, it would be when they were imitating clock figures, the actual pickpocket and Charlie Chaplin. It was right after the Hall of Mirrors, and he's just constantly clubbing the robber while pantomiming being a figure in this clock scene. It made me laugh a lot. That's a good one. I'm going to have to go with Office Space when they interview uh, Peter with the consultants. So, uh, you know, you have the Bobs interviewing. I have eight different bosses. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you've been missing a lot of work lately. I'm not sure how much I've been missing it. <laughs> <laughs> He's a real good straight shooter. Uh, He's got upper management written all over him. <laughs> yeah. How often do you deal with these TPS reports? You know, Bob, I just come in and I space out. Space out? Yeah. I just kind of stare at the desk. In any given day, I probably only do about two hours of real work. <laughs> uh, I love it. I love, I, love the, I love the candor. It's just so, so good. All right. Most heartwarming moment, Brian. I am, I, I hope, 
that somebody else has this just so they understand my thought process. But if they don't, I'm happy to bring this moment back up. But the most heartwarming moment of all these movies to me is when the convict throws the detonator out the fairy window in Dark Knight. Mm, that is a good one. That is a very good one. Yeah. I actually thought you were going with Winter's Bone on that one. I, I really thought you were going that direction. No, I that that is one of the most pivotal scenes in a movie for me because it illustrates humanity in such a wonderful way. And I, it sounds so weird saying it given what that movie is and in the scenario in which they put it because it wasn't the normal people. Yeah, but it wasn't the normal people who did it. It was the, the guy who you're like, oh, snap, what's going to happen? You automatically think he's going to do it, and then he doesn't. And that was so meaningful. Chad, heartwarming moment. And if it comes out of wreck, I'm going to be surprised. <laughs> there were great <laughs> moments out of wreck, but I am going with Alex, the kid on the raft who gets eaten by the shark. That warmed my heart down. It was like warm soup to my soul. Just okay, a... come on, dude. What would it seriously now? What is really your heartwarming? I I'm serious. Having a shark murder a child, you just don't get that nowadays so you're allowed to say chubs in the heaven dream sequence and happy gilmore if you want but come on now come on i'm gonna push you for this one. Oh, fine uh the final act of roman holiday uh when joe meets Anne at the presser she has to talk in code at the very end she tells him so happy that was okay, really heartwarming there we, there we go all right now but that's my number two that is very distant to child getting eaten by a shark and i know we had to make listeners. you go there we, oh. we had to make you go there can heartwarming be uh, like juxtaposed with uh, heart wrenching? No, 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 <laughs> no, <it's not. laughs> um, no. All right. Uh, so my my best heartwarming moment is going to be the Jaws scene, which you got the right movie for me, Chad. But I love the scene where uh, Robert Sh- uh, uh, Roy Scheider, Brody is being tr- uh, troubled, and he's sitting there at the table, and his uh, little boy is mimicking him as he puts his hand on his forehead and then down on his cheeks and they look at each other and they're just mimicking each other. And it just, uh, it's one of those very touching moments between a, a child and their parent. And, uh, eventually, you know, he puts them down to bed and stuff like that. But, uh, this is a very touching scene. Spielberg has a nice knack for adding that warmth to the characters and that. So love it. Uh, I, you know, I think they actually use it as a callback in one of the Jaws movie sequels, and those sequels are not nearly as good. So therefore, it is the best scene in that in the sequel movie. Uh, I wanted that kid to bite it so bad. You're a terrible person. Uh, fine. <laughs> Chad, why don't you take this one first? Best wardrobe moment. I think for me, in Dark Knight, Joker's nurse's outfit when he blows up the hospital, it's so dark, but it's comical at the same time, especially with the button not working. It's just a ridiculous scene and really embodies who the Joker is. See, now that's the right time to bring that darkness inside of you out. Good job. <laughs> All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with darkness as well, but the character darkness, Tim Curry, who seems to get every superlative possible from me, uh, he's coming away with best wardrobe moment in this one by playing darkness and legend. He just looks threatening, compelling, full of like, uh, evil, but like this fantastic kind of, uh, makeup and costume design. It's amazing. Love it. The long horns, everything. So, I mean, imagine Hellboy if he were 
like super evil and revved up and dialed up on steroids. It's, it's, it's a wonderful makeup and wardrobe moment. So, uh, but, uh, actually kudos to Charlie Chaplin as well too. on the circus, his looks iconic, the, uh, tiny, tiny, uh, you know, suit, uh, top that he has with the baggy pants and the, and the hat. I mean, uh, you know, Charlie Chaplin's an icon as well. I want to call some, give him a thumbs up too. What about you, Brian? What's your best wardrobe moment? Do I get burned at the stake if I say Ripley in her underwear? No, no, you don't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not from <for> us. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I actually think. In in the movie, though, she's very vulnerable. Like you're scared if you're scared for her, because like, you know, I mean, there's a sense of, you know, it, it's a much more terrifying scene. It's not just about being titillating. I uh, actually, in, in all honesty, I think I'd probably go with uh, Schwarzenegger in uh, Predator. Um, we grew up on Arnold being Arnold. And that commando look, which is funny because he's in a movie also called Commando, uh, is, is I mean, that's what we pictured as the special forces soldier look via film. And I feel like it was used over and over and over again. I'm not saying he originated it. I'm just saying that he, for our time made that look what action was. So I'm going to go with him. Yep. And he simultaneously represents what a kindergarten cop should be look like too. And Danny DeVito's twin. True. Yes. Even better point. Um, <laughs> now, what didn't hold up over time? Brian, why don't you take this one first? Highlander, and I'm going to tell you why. Ouch. I don't think Highlander actually held up back then either, but that's part of its charm. On rewatch, I, I was uh, no, on rewatch, I was like, geez, this is, whew, okay. And then I thought about it, and I was like, you know, if I had been more mature when I saw this the first time, I'd think, geez, whew. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I think that Highlander is Highlander. Like, it's not a knock on the movie. I don't think it ever held up. I think that's, that's what made it fun. It's yeah. not trying to be filet mignon. You know exactly what it is. It's McDonald's. And sometimes you feel like McDonald's. Well said, Chad. Well said. <laughs> what, what what moment for you didn't hold up over time? I feel like the whole of Forbidden Planet is the worst of the bunch. The whole uh, of it? Yeah. Yeah. The, the effects aren't going to be great. I mean, it's coming from the 50s. But then you pile on the healthy dose of sexism, and it's just like, oh, this, uh, this movie has moved from cheesy to mildly problematic. I'm going to say the effects are some of them are amazing in that movie and some of them aren't. And uh, I'm going to leave the effects alone in that movie. And there's just one specific scene in there where uh, the, the spacemen get off the craft and they're all oogling uh, this, you know, this uh, man's daughter. And they're like, I hope you understand that uh, we've been in space for a long time. Certain liberties need to be made. And he's like, oh, of course. Yeah, sure. So, <laughs> yeah, th that was a horrible scene. 
So that's sure. my biggest didn't hold up over time moment. So, uh, yeah, you certainly wouldn't make that one the same way today. So uh, I'm not going to give it to the entire movie because I think there's a lot of parts of that movie that do age well. I think people would be very happy to have a robot produce a giant pile of liquor for you today. So <laughs> parts of that movie do hold up. Speaking of which, I will say that having alluded to uh, the earlier Bond movies, I think that if you go back and watch all of the Connery Bonds end to end and you don't have at least one moment in each film where you cringe a little bit at his treatment of women, eh, there's something wrong with you. Oh, but, man. It's, it's true. Yeah. I, oh, God. There are, there are parts where I'm like, oh, my God. But, I mean, I'm not going to crucify any movie for its time period. And although that activity is wrong it's like you can't just go back and be like okay i'm gonna burn this to the stake because it was the norm then sure yep yep uh it, it's uh you have to definitely put a disclaimer on it but uh you're right i don't think it should be censored or yes, pulled or from the shelves so best quote brian we're gonna need a bigger boat yep that's a... like how how is how is that not the best quote from all of these movies, we're gonna need a bigger boat. That's a great one. It's a great one. Chad, is that yours as well? I didn't know if you would give me what's this because it's a lyric. So I'm gonna go from the same movie. I'll go with an actual quote. Jack, please, I'm only an elected official here. I can't make decisions by myself. <laughs> that was funny. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and. I, I also had Jill's uh, We're Gonna Need a Bigger Boat listed as well, but just I had a close runner-up, and it's uh, Bill Lundberg coming over to Milton's desk. Uh, Milton, we're going to need you to go ahead and uh, move downstairs into storage B. We've got some new people coming in. We need to, all the space we can get. So if you could just pack up your stuff and move it down there, that'd be terrific, okay? <laughs> and, and then promptly follow up. Excuse me. I believe you have my stapler. <laughs> yes. So Office Space gets mine on that one. Just I, I find myself saying to people who feel like they've been slighted or dumped on at work or something like that, I, I will often look over to them and be like, yeah, and we're also going to need you to move your stuff down to storage B. Man, I, I had you pegged for Jurassic Park quotes, like life uh, finds a way or something for Malcolm. Oh, the, the, the Jeff Goldblum laugh certainly is great too. So Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> no one expected him to jump out of the car best new discovery which means a movie that you was new to you brian what was your best new discovery asphalt jungle hands down uh super happy we did that one had so much enjoyment for it it's yeah great choice brian or sorry chad what's your best new discovery I'm going to keep harping on this one, but Roman Holiday, I was not excited to go in and say, oh, I'm being pigeonholed into the romantic comedy, but this wound up being my number five movie in a really good year for movies. Yep, I'm I'm with you. I'm going to harp on your harp. So, <laughs> so uh, now, Brian, what is your most improved? I'm going to go with Gattaca on this one. I don't know how this movie continuously surprises me, but... I hadn't watched it in a while and then coming back to it for this podcast reminded me how much I like that movie and 
just kind of brought a freshness to it that I really enjoyed. Chad, what is your most improved? And by most improved, I mean what is improved by rewatching it, returning to it, coming back to it now? Yeah, for me, it's Wreck, and that's partly because it's in another language. So the first watch you're going through and you're noticing the subtitles and everything. And when you rewatch it and really start digging into it, you start seeing all the subtleties in the background. You pay attention to the actors and their emotions more. And I love the movie the first time, but second, third, and and so forth. And even when we dove in deep dive to the movie this year, I loved it even more. Great choice. And mine's going to be Predator from 1987. I really had a fun time returning to that one. I wasn't on that episode. Uh, Mary and Chad and uh, Tessa did that one. And I, I really enjoyed editing, listening to that one. And, uh, you know, it was fun to step away for a while. So it was uh, maybe that made me enjoy it a little bit more. But I just really enjoyed studying Predator that week. I had a fun time with that one. And I didn't have it put up there in uh, the high regard that, you know, some of these other movies I knew I loved. Like, I knew I loved Jaws and Indiana Jones. And like, these are movies that I watch regularly. And I do not go at least two years without watching these kinds of things. So um, it's it's great to have another movie. It's just like, wow, Predator's got a little more going for it than I realized. So, yeah. Best music score or soundtrack, Brian. It's uh, going to be Scott Pilgrim on that one. It's the only one I've got downloaded on my phone and listened to regularly. Okay. Ooh. Good pick. Is that yours as well, Chad? I was going to say, is there another option? But as soon as I said those words, I started thinking about Nightmare Revisited. And I was like, uh, yeah, there is. <laughs> John Williams is shaking his head sad at you right now. But uh, I'll, I'll come back to that in a minute. <laughs> um, Chad, what, what's your best music score or soundtrack? Yeah, I'm going to make you even sadder because I looked at the list of soundtracks and they're great throughout the year, but I'm going with the one written by Queen, so I am going with Highlander. Oh, okay. Queen. I, like, I, like, I like Queen right. a lot, but uh, yeah, that, that was I did not see that coming. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, just as we had a trio of amazing Spielberg movies to pick from, we had a trio of amazing John Williams scores to pick from. So Jaws, Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and Jurassic Park put me in a very hard place. And Jaws is probably ranked to be the highest of them. But I like the magi- the majesty of uh, Jurassic Park. I'm going to go with Jurassic Park as my best score. I agree with you there. Out of those three, yeah, Jurassic Park, I think, stands out the most to me. Yeah. All right, guys. Anything else before we close out the year? No. No, it's it's been a blast. I've loved doing 25 movies, and I look forward to doing a lot more next year. Can't yeah, we're going to have to be more efficient next year somehow when we do this when we do this here. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, we, we, we're going to try and increase our uh, um, our release schedule. So try and don't hold us to it. We're going to do our best, and uh, we hope for bigger and better things in 2021, as I think the rest of the world does. Yeah. <laughs> all right well uh do you guys want to help me pick a movie for next year let's do it option number one tinker taylor soldier spy from 2011 and gosh that's a fun name to say uh in the bleak days of the cold war espionage veteran george smiley is forced from semi-retirement to uncover a soviet agent with an mi6 uh option two the gray from 2011 after their plane crashes in Alaska, six oil workers are led by a skilled huntsman to survival, but a pack of merciless wolves haunts their every step. 
And option three, the Adjustment Bureau from 2011. The affair between a politician and a contemporary dancer is affected by mysterious forces keeping the lovers apart. So uh, these are all 2011 movies. This is the new retro. This is the newly inducted class of movies that are 10 years older. So we're going to go as new as you can go for the show. Uh, Chad, why don't you tell me what our first movie is for next year? I think we'll do the Adjustment Bureau. All right. I just adjusted myself. Thank you. Nice. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> thank you guys. This was a little blast. I look forward to doing this again uh, next year with you guys. So, uh, And remember all the Lords, Ladies, and Nights of the Retro Movie Roundtable. We want to invite you to reach out to us. We want to hear from you. So subscribe, rate, and review to us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast. Give us a like on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at, at movie underscore retro. Email us at retromovieroundtable at yahoo.com. As always, thank you for listening. Be good to each other and watch more movies. Brian? A talking monkey? Talking monkey, yeah, yeah. Came from came from the future. Ugly sucker. Only says ficus.